Okay. Okay, we are recording. I'm here with one of my all-time favorite people, Melissa Ginling. And um, yeah, this is an odd way to start, but um, I'm just so grateful for you. You're like one of the coolest, you're one of the coolest people I know. You're also a soul sister to me. So I'm fucking jazzed about this. Oh, thanks. Um, so we're talking about money mindfulness today. And um, actually, why don't you go ahead and just give kind of a general background of who you are? Yes. Uh, so as Shana mentioned, I'm Melissa Ginling, and I have been a member here for probably almost four years now. And Shannon and I met when we both worked at Salesforce. Right? It was Salesforce then, not Exact Target, or maybe both. Both. Um, yeah. And so I decided I needed to get back into my yoga practice because I had um, uh, not engaged in that very often. And I was like, I'll go to the studio because I know Shannon. And now I have since done yoga teacher training and have CrossFitted and Swifted. And, and my husband also uh, is on the nutrition team. So we are all in here at Naptown. Prepping with PJ. Prepping with PJ. Shout out. The only Instagram story is worth your time. Uh, that's what I think. But. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and so the reason why Shannon asked me to come here to talk about money is because I have my own journey that has taken me from, um, you know, just kind of keeping up with what everybody else is doing to having a really, really conscious relationship with every dollar that I earn. Can you talk a little bit? So let me give some background that Melissa didn't share. Melissa's a genius. Um, she, when I met her at exact target Salesforce, I met you at exact target because I remember hearing about you Mm. and people being like, this bitch is epic. Like, watch out. She is so incredible. She's so smart. Um, and she's basically controlling everyone um, in the best way and like a good way, like keeping everybody in bounds. Um, so she's super brilliant. And also you bought your, you, can I talk about your home? Yeah, of your course. House? Yep. So she bought her house outright. And that was the first, like my husband and I have done the Dave Ramsey courses, which, mm-hmm. you know, there's good for me, for my lens, there's good, there's bad. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. But one thing that he said that I think is so incredibly important is cash is king. Yes. And when I found out that you were doing that, I was like, okay, here's a woman with vision mm-hmm. and um, clear boundaries around that vision and goals. So can you talk about why you bought your house, mm-hmm. the process of all that? Yes. So I was living, um, I had, a, I was living in a, a quite a large house and I paid $2,000 on my mortgage every month. And once I was taking a look at how I was spending money through a lens of where, what I wanted to be doing, what I wanted to be spending it on, what was important to me, I decided that spending $2,000 on a mortgage was not important to me. Mm. And I value the place that I live and I want it to be comfortable and safe. However, I was dreaming up all the other things that I could be doing with that $2,000 and putting it towards a mortgage was not on the list. Um, at this, while I'm having all of these thoughts and feelings, my father has, is renting out my grandmother's home. And it occurred to me while sitting on Lake Michigan with a girlfriend of mine from college that I should just buy my grandmother's home. But it was considerably smaller. It wasn't in a great condition. Um, and it, w- it felt to me at the time like a risk. Once I spoke to my dad about it and really kind of dug into what it would take, he sold it to me for a really wonderful deal. I mean, I probably, um, 
it's at the time it was probably like 50% off of what the market value was. Um, and I thank exact target for, you know, having a couple really wonderful earning years. I was able to just to buy it outright. And that was important to me because, uh, being debt free wasn't on my radar yet, but putting $2,000 each month into something else was on my radar. So that's the way that we ended up doing it. Yeah. That's so inspiring because one, we're going to talk about values, but um, Melissa and I have talked a ton about goals and the, at the root of goals is not like achieving the goal, but your values and knowing like what you're in alignment with, because no matter what, things are going to get thrown at you. You know, your house could be flooded. There could be mm-hmm. a tornado, right? But if you, if you go after the things rooted in your values, you're never going to regret or, you know, wish you had done something else. And so- right. That whole story really spoke to me because you were very clear about what your values were. Mm -hmm. And um, one of my daily practices is rooted in abnivasia, the fear of death. And Mm -hmm. I always think about like, I don't get, I don't get the decision when I die. And so I've got to be so conscious, so clear with every, every choice I make. And so in alignment because I want to die knowing I did my very best and I lived in as best alignment as I can. And and money is such a huge part of that. And I think like... I hate the conversation around money, or I have, I should say, and not anymore, because I assign such a morality to it. Like money is either bad if you don't use it the way I deem as valuable, or it's good if you do, Mm -hmm. and it goes back to values. Money is amoral. Money is like wood, money is like metal, money, it's just, it is just a commodity, and it's, it's just an energy, and how we use it dictates what it becomes. Right. And, and based off of values. So maybe talk a little bit about, um, yeah, like how values work into money, how you view money and why we should be having this conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I got really clear during that time period on my values. Very, very clear. And it, what it was clear to me was we were spending too much time inside. We were spending too much time um, shopping and we were not enjoying what I thought life should, how life should be lived. And that's when we totally flipped it upside down. Um, and we flipped it upside down by, I don't remember the last time I've gotten on a plane for a family vacation. Like we camp now. Um, we, I, I save 20 to 30% every month of my income for at some level for either retirement or my children or something I know that's going to inevitably have happen to the house. And so, and also our values are rooted in the day to day. Our values are we eat extraordinarily healthy. Our 100% our biggest line item each month is food because Mm -hmm. our our values are rooted in staying healthy. Um, and, and also being in connection of what the earth grows. So there's all these things that we got really clear on and we made sure that every dollar we spent was aligned in those. And sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Like, don't get me wrong. Like that it's not always 100%, but it it drives us. And so, um, you know, how, how we got there, I think was just taking a look at what we're doing today versus what I think that we should be doing. And then once I learned so much, I started to talk about it and started to share what has, what, how this has changed me and my priorities and how we live our life. 
I'm not sure if I answered your question because I got on on too into the de- the value. Uh, no, you did. Okay, you totally did. Yeah. I think what I extract from that too is how you do the little things is how you do the big things. How you do something is how you do everything. Yeah, and um, Dave Ramsey the course as you go through your statements Mm -hmm. and look at what you're really spending Mm -hmm. and that was such an eye-opening um exercise for me because I so unconsciously spent money yeah and I did it to numb oh yeah and I did it to avoid the values that I wish I were placing more value in but you know insert excuse of time of energy of whatever and you know, to what you said, it's not going to be perfect. It's not always that way, but it's the process of slowly making that a practice. Yeah. And, um, and even, you know, every time you pay something, every time you, whether it's a tip or a bill or your taxes, you know, being deeply aware of where that money's going and also deeply conscious of your ability to spend that. I think that has also shifted my emotions and um, conversation around money. It's like, wow, I get to, I get to pay taxes. And we were talking about, you know, troublesome with where some of our taxes aren't going. But (laughs) I get to pay taxes to live in a country where I can own a business. I can um, help to push us further so that one day our country could be great for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I hope it didn't just polarize somebody. Um, but you know, I, I get to, and I think when we change the language around how we use money and we align ourselves with our values and we really look at where am I unconsciously spending money, we flip the total script on how we live our lives and we take the power back. Like I hear so often, um, I can't afford that or that, you know, it's unless you really are below the poverty line, which that's true. You probably can't afford that. Mm If you are of any means, you can. Oh, yeah. You just don't choose to prioritize it. That's right. Right? That's it's right. not in your values. So um, I think that's something that I've I've really learned from you, too, is like there's, there's always a way to flip the conversation. Mm-hmm. And it's just about looking at where are you unconsciously spending your energy, your money, and how do you change that? Because once you get conscious, you really start to notice. Mm-hmm. You really, really start to notice. And, you know, we... We, it took us a while to get to the point where we were living in a smaller space and I was giving away tons of things. And when you do that, you watch your money go out the door. And when you're giving, when you're Marie Kondo in your house, mm-hmm. I see that as every dollar is walking out the door. I made a choice to buy that thing for a reason. I spent energy on it. I thought about it. And now I'm giving it away. Like, what a waste. Mm-hmm. And so then you start to think about it in everything you do. And... My biggest example that you've heard me talk about a lot is my hair. Where it's like, even though I was living very, uh, you know, in this in this house with no mortgage, thinking of every dollar I spent, I'm still spending, uh, you know, like three hours at the salon getting my roots dyed mm-hmm. for for whom? Right. Like, who who am I doing that for? Right. So um, that is something that it still took a fair amount of time and iterations to get wildly comfortable with the fact that my hair is is natural it's not straightened and it's gray and that makes sometimes you know actually I still carry a lot of of weird feelings about how does my hair look 
Um, so I haven't fully gotten over the hump, but I, the hump I have gotten over is not spending a bunch of time on it and not spending a bunch of money on it. Yeah. And so it, I think it really taps into the energy that surrounds everything you do and everything you buy and how you think about those things. Cause that's, that's all time and time is energy. Yeah. And you earn that money. Yeah. You spend energy earning that money and you turn it around to give $200 to someone to dye it. I'm like, right. wait, what? <laughs> for no, no, if you don't want to, if you don't, some people love to dye their hair and I'm cool with that. But for me, I didn't want to. Well, I mean, it, it get, again, it goes back to the values. Like Pervy and I recorded a, um, a podcast episode, you know, she takes such impeccable care of herself and mm. it, and it fits her values. And that is so her. That's and right. I love that, you know, and once I watched you move through like moving to your natural hair, mm-hmm. that really sparked in me like, oh yeah, I'm doing this thing every six to six weeks to two months that I'm not doing because I feel like pervy when I do it. I'm doing it to cover. I'm doing it to mask. Yes. And my value is like, if you come to the studio once, you know I value everybody being their truest, authentic self, whether anybody agrees with that or not, that's my that's my hope and stamp on this world. Right. And it just really hit me like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm putting money, I'm putting 200 plus dollars where I could put it where I really want to towards agriculture, you know, sustainable agriculture, environmentalism, reading, you know, and since I've made that shift, I've read so much more this year because that money has gone towards books and that's really what I want to fill my head with. Yeah. So thank you for that because it's been a huge gift and a really hard journey. I think that's also something about money um, is that, you know, I'm living by this phrase that easy is not good mm-hmm. and um, hard is not bad. Mm-hmm. And changing your money mindset, changing your consciousness around spending is not easy. It right. is so programmed. It's so hard. Oh my God. It's so societal and how you grew up with money yeah. will, it's going to project a lot on how you exist with money. Making those changes is hard, but it's so so critical if you really want to live in alignment, which is why mm-hmm. I love this conversation. Yeah. So what would you say, um, for people who want to start to look at this, what would you say are like the first steps or the first things to look at, I guess? Mm -hmm. I'm working with a few friends right now on this and I think you mentioned it already and lots of money coaches start here in different formats and it doesn't actually matter what format you do. If you know how to Um, write things down on a piece of paper or use Excel, you can do these suggestions that I'm about to, to, um, things I'm about to suggest. First, you have to get really clear on what you have. Mm -hmm. People do not know what they have. I didn't know what I had. I, I knew the things floating around. I didn't know the total. If you ask people what they make, they'll give you their actual salary. They have no idea what comes into the door. And so... You have to get real clear on three things. The first thing is how much you have saved. And that is everywhere. That is your, um, that, that random 7K that lives over in your Capital One account that it's been there for a couple years to your old 401Ks to the 529s that you have with, for your children, everything. You write it all down. Um, I prefer Excel because if you put it in Excel, then you can do the calculations, but you don't have to get fancy. It's like line item one savings, line mm-hmm. item two savings, and add it all up and find it all. You might find that, in an example, um, your partner um, forgot to sign up for their 401k. You might find that stuff, Mm -hmm. and and you will. You will find it. 
Um, so then you need to find out what your debt is and go through the same process. So everything from your mortgage to the $100 that you owe your mom, everything needs to go on a line item. And I like to separate it out as the debt is in, the, the name of the debt is in column A, how much you pay on the debt is in column B, what is the total debt in column C. And then if you wanna get fancy or start to get creative, you can say, um, here's my minimum payments in mm -hmm. column D or E, wherever we're at. Um, here's my APR. So while you're, you're looking in every single one of those accounts, you might as well just write all the facts about that particular debt because then it will help you get a full picture of what, how much interest are you spending, um, where's your highest interest rates, and what, maybe this might start to get you down the path of strategizing of what should I start to pay off first. And then the third component is your income. And that is not only knowing that you make $40,000 a year, but it's also knowing what you bring home. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't need to know your tax percentages or anything like that. You just need to know what that statement looks like and what comes out of that statement. Your 401k might come out of it. Um, I would get real clear on how much you pay for insurance every single month. And then if something happens, you can notice discrepancies. Um, I'll give you a money fail for me back when I was at Exact Target. Uh, for a whole year, HR messed up and they did not contribute to my 401k. Mm. It was going straight into my paycheck. So I got the money. They gave me the money. Mm -hmm. It just wasn't allocated in the right spot. I mean, this growing company, people make mistakes. And at the time, I was in my probably mid to early 20s. They're like, whoops, sorry. And I was like, it's fine. But now I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I was, that was a whole year of in my early 20s of earning mm -hmm. mistakes. And I've had situations at other jobs where they're accidentally funding uh, the wrong insurance HSA versus an FSA. Like, mm -hmm. know your income statement. Write it down, how much you're making, so then you can, you can start to process it. So there's a total there, right? There's a total of how much you're saving every month. There's a total of how much you're paying on debt every month. And then what you're making. And then you find the difference. So now you know the baseline. Then you look at your spending. Mm -hmm. Because you're gonna find that that number, let's just use easy numbers, you have $2,500 left per month to spend and you're spending $3,700 per month because you have a nanny and you eat out a lot or you're spending $1,000 a month and you've got this random $1,500 that are just floating around that you're not doing anything with. Mm -hmm. So I'll stop here because I think spending is a whole other category where we can do like 12 podcasts on. But if you get really clear on savings, your debt, your income, and what the difference is, and then know what you're spending and figure out what to do with the difference, then you can start to increase paying debt. You can start to increase savings. Um, maybe you need to decrease your spending. That's where you have your levers. Mm-hmm. I think, um, thank you. That was bril That's brilliant. And I think... Um, two things that came up for me. One is that we put so much of our self-worth in money. Yeah. And the yoga here is you are not that dollar value. Right. And you have agency in what you want to call to you. And as woo-woo as that sounds, that's real. Yeah. yeah. You know, now the effort it may take will look different for everybody depending on your privilege, depending on the color of your skin. I mean, mm -hmm. like those things do matter and factor in. And... Yeah. You are not that dollar value and you have agency over it. Um, and I think 
just like your example of, okay, I'm going to move to a smaller home. I'm going to buy that home so that I don't have that debt. Like that's a very large example, but that's really what a lot of us are probably going to have to do. Mm -hmm. Um, for Peter and I, when we were living in Chicago, we were commuting to work one hour a day. So not only were we wasting money, we were wasting time. We're wasting Mm -hmm. two hours out of our day to commute. I was paying, um, more on my studio apartment than especially our first home not our not our current home but I was paying more on my studio apartment than our first home together um and just realizing like we didn't love Chicago we didn't love our life like that it's like okay we had to make a huge change and I wouldn't I wouldn't live any other way like I don't regret a single step of that and it was a lot of change and we're so I think it's like it may not look like, oh, I'm just gonna stop shopping there. And I think that's what people start to make the little changes which are totally valid, but it's also, oh wow, I'm spending this much on my house, which is a huge line item, or oh wow, I'm not saving any money, which is a huge problem, mm-hmm. you know, like, and making those big shifts for those things as much as the incremental. Cause I, mm-hmm. I do think we tend to look at the incremental and while that is like, in a positive way, death by a thousand paper cuts, you also just want to like cut the piece of paper in half. Yeah. You know, or get a blank sheet of paper. So I love I love that. And I think I think taking the worth out of it because so much of so much of our society places worth on if you have more money or less money. Yeah. Something you said to me earlier, it's not about who has more or less, it's who's the most strategic with it. Oh yeah, yeah. And it's it's really hard in money when you start when you do this and you're like, wow, I, I'm learning a lot. I want to dig in more, you'll start to see people talk about your net worth. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's tough. Like you should know that number. You should. You should know. And and you should know how much you're worth and where all that money is. And I hate I hate the way it's phrased because you I want to think about it as my net worth actually is equate to um, the the way I'm going to be able to treat myself and my family once I'm retired. Yeah. That's the way I, I transition it in my head where I turn it to a value statement where it is once we stop working, this is this is the worth that we are going to be able to bring ourselves in the future. Mm-hmm. And net worth isn't just exclusively retirement, like I get that, but to me, that's the way I translate it to not make this such a powerful number to define who I am. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know me, I'm super driven by money. And so that is, it's, 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 a, it's a battle for me every single day to not have it define me and do smart things with it and know what the end goal is, which is um, continue living a comfortable life and be able to support the people that are around me and that I'm physically creating <laughs> and well, the kids that they might create. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think that is in your values. And mm-hmm. I think as I've, as I've come to terms with at least this part of my life, I'm not going to make a lot of money mm-hmm. and I've chosen to be an entrepreneur and to run my own business over staying with Salesforce and making a lot of money. Totally. I, my net worth is also in my industriousness and my, mm-hmm. um, creativity with what I do have and you know we're planning for holidays uh, which by the way we do Hanukkah Christmas Serbian <laughs> Christmas and Slava oh my gosh. Uh, so you know I, I'm thinking about how I do that and it's like I have so much more worth in that I don't give gifts to prove to people that I love them anymore because I, I can't afford it right and they know I love them because I have 
I have the energy to tell them. Right. Because I'm not hustling at a job that I hate, that is draining. I'm making less money, but that affords me more energy to say, like, I love you and to spend quality time with you and with my family. And so I think your net worth, too, depending on your values, can look like that, you know? I love the diff. like, I think that we just define net worth in two totally different ways that are applicable and meaningful. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why that, that it's, it's, the word is irrelevant. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it is, it's, it's irrelevant. It is how you, how you contribute and what you see for yourself and what you're capable of. And so that's super important. Super important. So with Christmas, Hanukkah, all the things, the holiday season upon us, do you have any, um, kind of closing thoughts on how people can start to think about this season and Mm -hmm. think about their spending in a mindful way? Yes. Um, well, you're not going to like my answer because my answer was you should have started thinking about it a year ago. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) And so I've saved, um, each month. You'll be so proud. Peter has been saving for this whole year to spend. So we have, you did. I do love that. You know what I did was, this is the first year I've ever done this. So I'm telling you iterations, right? Mm -hmm. I'm super conscious with money, but this isn't something that I had been doing, but I thought I made a budget, um, and I kept it loose, right? Where it's like, how much do I want to spend on each boy and each other? And um, we do, we donate a, t- a lot of money. Uh, we buy gifts instead of for our family. We buy gifts for other families mm-hmm. to give instead of each other. And so mm-hmm. you know, hundred dollars here and fifty dollars there for that. And um, I broke it all down about what the Christmas is going to look like. And you know, this is counter counter to. Um, a little bit of the industry in the machine, but I'm a big, I want to buy everything on Black Friday and that's all, that's all I'm going to buy. Mm-hmm. And so I save my money. I let the, I, I am a slave to the deals and then I'm done, yeah. frankly. So, um, that is my, my advice is, you know, just know, know what you're going to spend. Give yourself a little bit of buffer room for flexibility. So you don't feel like you're boxed in Yeah. and, um, you know, having a plan going into the holiday season is super beneficial. Um, so that is my, uh, that's, that's the way that I look at the holidays is going in with the plan always, but yeah. I'm a planner. So <laughs> Well, and I think it, it, back to what you said, it's about values too. Like my values in small business. And so we don't do the Black Friday, but I have, I have planned out like how much I can spend on small business Saturday and giving Tuesday. And those are where I lay my priority down and, Mm -hmm. and yeah, and that's it. Like I don't go and like, oh, there's something in the aisle at Walgreens. Like, oh, this would be a great little add-on. Well, that's five bucks. And those five bucks like add up and add up. And that's where the consciousness however you go about it plays in, right? The mindfulness. Yes. And setting expectations with your kids too. Yeah. I think that's a big component. Um, I've definitely had uh, Christmases where in the beginning where they see all the photos with all the toys mm-hmm. and Lewis was very young at this time, but he was like, is this it? And I, it, it was it's society telling mm-hmm. him that the tree is going to be full of toys underneath. Mm-hmm. And so knowing that they get a handful of toys from me and some from their family and um, they make a list and just setting expectations that they are going to get the top couple items that they love and that's it. Um, so I think that's also planning too. 
Well, in my memories of holidays, and I know this differs for everybody, but I don't remember any, I remember one particular gift, but other than that, I remember the food. Yeah. I remember time with my cousins and my family and the smell. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the toys I got. Right. You know, and I think if you build in tradition and things like that, it doesn't have to be um, a Hallmark holiday right. in that way. It can be a true Hallmark holiday in, in what it's supposed, what the original intent of those holidays are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I thank you so much for, for having this conversation, for being here. Um, we're going to plan, we haven't fully planned it out, but we're going to plan some a course and some conversation around this with Melissa. So yep. stay tuned for those things, um, especially in the yoga community. I feel like money's a bad word and again it's amoral it's and it's an opportunity for us to do more good if we want to put it in good bad right wrong language like if you're able to prioritize it in a particular way you can really do some beautiful things mm-hmm. so it's not a demon it's not a bad thing it's it's amoral to what you do with it right well thank you so much thanks thanks for having me it's always fun talking about it of course and uh thank you for attending this low budget podcast (laughs) film thing i'm leaving